0: Where does Martin Smith get that voice from? (laughs) Anyway. Right, we're in Corinthians, so you might want to go there. Corinthians 12. um, And it's 1,153 in in this blue one. Um, Is it the same in the red ones? It is. Jeff's nodding. It's the same. Okay. Okay. Now, I've got a PowerPoint somewhere, and I've got a thingy. Oh, there it is. Right, first thing you'll notice is I sort of changed the title. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay, well, if you haven't been with us um, recently or for a very long time, um, we've been looking at the book of Corinthians. Now, um, this is written by a guy named Paul, and he was... Um, uh, a man that uh, met Jesus very, very powerfully um, and his life was transformed. And after that, he went around um, talking about Jesus wherever he went and starting little communities of believers. And this is one of them. And this community is based in a city called Corinth, it was one of the Roman uh, provinces. Um, it was incredibly uh kind of economically successful and cosmopolitan and its thinking um, sort of anything goes um, It it's well known for this it had masses of different gods that you could worship um, and life was really very much wrapped up in sort of temple worship, if you want to go out for dinner, that's kind of where you went. If you want to do some business, you might go there as well. Um, if you just want to hang out, you might go there as well. You'd kind of go and you choose your different gods based on what you fancied at that time. So you might say, well, this god's particularly powerful in this area. I'm going to go do some worship there, or this god's particularly good in the area of fertility. I'll go do some worship there, and interesting stuff went on. Um, so, that's kind of a little bit of a background to them. Um, in this letter, we really see how the culture that they're living in influences the church. It's really hard, isn't it? As a community, uh, we don't want to just look like the outside, but it's so powerful. The culture we're in is so, so powerful, that um, it isn't difficult to see how that would influence the way that you did things. Now, in their culture, that was very dangerous. Now, today, you'll notice that the title of the section is Spiritual Gifts. Um, and we're starting a little section on the Holy Spirit, we're going to do it for a number of weeks. Uh, it's not something really you can just pop into one week. This week is very much um, an introduction. You'll see at the beginning in verse 1, if you want to just have a quick peek at that, he said, he starts with, now about spiritual gifts, or it could be translated spiritual things. They, um, his letter is a response to what he's heard and also what they've written to him. They've asked him about a few things, and this is the one of the things that um, they have asked him about. So, we're going to read this little passage. We're just going to do verse 1 to 11. We're only going to do that first little section. And you'll notice that there's, if you kind of flick over the pages, there's quite a lot yet to come. So, you'll probably be left today with a lot of questions like, but what does that mean? And what does that mean? What does that mean? So, you'll just have to come back next week and the week after and week after. And you'll find out. So, today, introduction. Let's read it. It says, Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers... I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or another, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service but the same Lord. And there are different kind of workings, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the spirit, the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. it's raining <laughs> okay so Paul is going to start his stuff about the Holy Spirit now he they've asked him tell us about the gifts tell us about the spiritual stuff and he knows what this church is like and he knows what we're like so he's going to start with four basic things that he wants to make really clear the start and we're going to look at those four things today okay oh sorry you missed all the pictures of Corinth Ta-da! <laughs> okay so the first point he wants to really take home to them is how do you know that what a person is doing is the work of the Holy Spirit okay that's the first thing now I don't know if you've ever been in a meeting of a kind of spiritual na- nature, it could be Christian, could be non-Christian, and you just feel that something isn't quite right, okay, um, it might be that everyone's very excited, they're very gripped by what's being said, it's very impressive, you might be impressed too, you might be, wow, this is amazing, you're in awe of in fact what's happening, Something just doesn't sit quite well with your spirit. You're just like, "Mm, I'm not really sure. And Paul here gives the Corinthian church and us some really good advice. Look at it in verse 3. It's at the end of verse 3. Part B, we might say. He says, And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not impossible, is it, to say Jesus is Lord and it not be particularly inspired by the Holy Spirit? Just like I read from the Bible, Jesus, Jesus is cursed, and yet it wasn't. not think. I, I don't hope you're not about to lead me out now. <laughs> it's not saying that. Let's look at what he puts in verse two. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or another, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. He's saying to them here, before you were Christians, people influenced you. They persuaded you that there were powers that could offer you something. And Corinth, of course, was full, wasn't it, of different deities. Each one claiming power over a different aspect of their life. Okay, and um, they would bring their hopes and dreams there, offerings would be made, curses would be invoked. I curse you in the name of, and that's one of the possible translations for that verse, I curse you in the name of. And worshippers, when they were being taken over, by this deity would perhaps go into some kind of trance or some kind of weird kind of manifestations and they would appear basically to be completely out of control. They'd sort of stepped out of the arena, as it were, and this embodiment of this power had taken over their body. And this is what the Corinthian church understand by being spiritual things. If you can imagine that's what you've grown up with, they kind of think, well, when you're taken over, you don't really know what you're doing. And remember, Paul's going to come to that in another week, so stick around for that bit. And today, we can put power in lots of things, can't we? You might not have a... um, temple on each corner, but we do put power in maybe holy places or holy people or lucky trinkets. Uh, I bet the footballers last night, the saints, I bet they were quite religious in how they got ready for that and were wearing just the right t-shirt or something. Are you happy with that, Amanda? No, No, not happy with that. Okay. But uh, we also have a strong culture of self-worship. (laughs) I <laughs> see? I wanted to get in. Okay. This kind of idea of we're worth it. Actually, it's all about your image of yourself. You're all about what you can achieve. You just have to believe in yourself and uh, you're going to be fine. Without any reference to who has given us those abilities... Now, Paul writes them, doesn't he? He says, look, this all appeared very real to you. And there's no doubt that there were spiritual powers involved, but they were leading you just to mute, dumb idols, bits of wood. They weren't leading you to anything and certainly not to the living God. We know that some of the Corinthian church, they claim to be spiritual. We read that a bit later. He says, you who claim to be spiritual. And perhaps some of these, uh, we can imagine, were demonstrating the spirit. And they were sort of doing whatever they were doing in a very familiar way to that culture. Completely out of control. And know that they want to learn more about the spiritual gifts. That's where their focus is. But Paul wants them to be really sure that, in fact, what they're doing is pointing to Jesus. That no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Every manifestation of the Spirit should point to Jesus. Everything that someone does should be pointing to Jesus, never to them. If it ultimately, if what's being done or seen or experienced or afterwards doesn't point to Jesus then that's got to raise a really big question mark for us. Paul uses that extreme example, doesn't he, of Jesus be cursed. But maybe he doesn't mean that. Maybe he's just using an example of like, you know, if their lives, if what they're doing, if that isn't saying Jesus is Lord, if that isn't the focus of what they're doing, then maybe we need to question that a little bit. So the message is really clear. If what is happening demands glory for anything else or anyone except for Jesus, then maybe we need to question whether this is indeed the Spirit of God. Okay, so now Paul's open with a bit of a heading. He's set a bar, hasn't he? He's going to do a subheading next. Let's look at verse 4. He says, there's different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. Verse 5, there's different kind of service, but the same Lord. Verse 6, there's different kind of workings, but the same God. Works in all of them in all men. And this is his second point. It's a, oh, sorry, I couldn't get it any shorter. It's a bit long winded. <laughs> all things done in all believers and through all believers that are good are the result of the Holy Spirit working. Okay? Let's look at this. We can sometimes be tempted, can't we, to think of one person more spiritual than another or one activity more spiritual than another. We end up categorising the gifts. Look at these people. Who do you think the most spiritual here? And who is the most in step with the Holy Spirit? Well, we don't know, do we? We haven't got a clue. We don't know these people's hearts and we don't know what's going on. We know that people who've received Jesus have received the Holy Spirit. Perhaps we're asking maybe the wrong question. Everyone we know starts on the same field. We sang about at the beginning, we're all sinners. We deserve nothing. Absolutely nothing. We should rather be asking, well, where can we see Jesus working in these people's lives? Where can we see the Holy Spirit working? At work. Oh, I didn't put it on there. Sorry. Okay, so whether it is the gift of practically helping people or the gift of prophecy, whether it is the gift of scrubbing drains or whether it is the gift of serving communion, whether it is the inward working on our hidden pride. Or the kind of working that made the Elimus the sorcerer, mute. It is God who is powerfully doing it all, not us. And that's the second point, isn't it? That whatever is taking place is by the Holy Spirit. So we don't want to categorise. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit doesn't give us these gifts because we are good. That's really important, isn't it? He doesn't give us them because we're good. Look at verse 7. He says, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit has been given for the common good. Sometimes when we see people who outwardly display some of the more, we might say, miraculous gifts, not the, um, what did I say, unblocking of drains, We can be tempted to think that they've got it because they're perhaps a little bit more holy or they've worked a little bit more hard or God likes them a little bit more than us or they've been better than us. But we don't need to think this. The Corinthian church thought that they were really spiritual people, that they'd got it all figured out. And they looked to some of these people who were displaying these gifts And those people were proud of what they were doing, thinking that they were special. And perhaps the other people looked and thought, yeah, maybe they are special. But look at what Paul says about these people. In chapter 4, verse 18, he said they were arrogant. In chapter 5, verse 1, he said they were proud. He also said they were immature and childlike. And he said that they humiliated those that have nothing. They don't look very spiritual now. And Paul very sarcastically said, no doubt there are divisions amongst you to show which of you have God's approval. Can you see where he's going here? Is it a stretch to think that they might have been showing off their gifts in church to show who was the most spiritual, that they were maybe better Than other people there. Paul is really careful again before he even wants to talk about the gifts. He wants to show that they are gifts, they are that very word, gifts. The, the word is, it comes from the same root as the get, as grace, like the gift of grace. It's the same sort of thing as salvation. We don't get it because we're good or we were nice or God thought, oh, you're a nice person. Actually we get it because God gives us it. We don't deserve it at all. We get it because of what Jesus has done, not what we have done. And it's the same with the gifts. In Galatians 3, verse 2, he says, Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law, by following rules? No. Or by believing what you heard? When we believe about Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. So we haven't earned it, his presence or his gifts. And remember what it also says in verse 7 that it was for the common good, it isn't for them to show off how great they are. It is for the benefit of the whole church, for the common good. It's a gift from God so that none can boast. And finally, there is no back of the queue. You ever get that feeling? Everybody got it, I was at the back. When God was giving out that, I was right at the back. And occasionally we can feel like this, but we can be really encouraged from Paul's very short list here. He doesn't give them them all. This isn't the focus of what he's writing at this point. He's preparing them for what's coming, but he gives them a short little list. We don't need to worry about God's generosity. Let's look at the list and notice how he prefixes each one. To one, to another, 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 to another. What's he saying here? Paul is really building up for what's coming up in the rest of these chapters. That they need each other. That God didn't just give one person everything, but he gave to every single person in the church. And that if they're fixated on the idea of some people are special, I guess like priests in their culture or something like that, then that's really wrong. They're meant to work together for the common good, and they each get gifts. Look at verse 6. It says, God works all of them, the different gifts, the different acts of service, The different works, do you remember them? Whether you're serving, cleaning the drains, or giving out communion. Whether it's working on your heart, or working some miraculous power. Or whether you have, um, you're saying, well I've only got this gift, or I've got this gift. It doesn't matter. It's in all men. God gives generously to all, and I presume that we are the all. Now I've done a very short talk today, quite pleased I guess, but I'd like us to spend some time having a little bit of a think about what's, before we start, because we're going to spend a few weeks on the Holy Spirit and the gifts. So first of all, let's spend some time. Um, does the gift point to Jesus? Is whatever I'm doing, whether I'm serving, whether I'm working, whether I have a gift of the Spirit that I use, does it point to Jesus is what go- is what 's going on here, honoring Jesus and drawing people to him? secondly, we shouldn 't judge people based on outward <clears throat> actions or appearances, so think about, do I put myself down or put myself up? Is this an area I need to bring before God and acknowledge that it 's all done through him and for him and finally. There's no back of the queue. So, do I know what my gifts are? If you're not sure and you feel confident enough and you know there's someone here who knows you quite well, you could go wild and go and find them. (laughs) I know, I know. Leave the seat. Leave the sacred seat. Okay? And are you using them for the benefit of others? Sometimes we can think, oh, I kind of think I might have this gift, but I'm not sure. And that person does it so much better than me. But you're not using the gift that God's given you. And you've all got one. So, um, I don't know if the band want to play something. James, maybe you just knock out something. He's <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty good. And um, we just have some time. Maybe you want to pray on your own. Uh, the prayer team we've got any of them maybe they come down the front if you want to just meet with any of them today Wanna have a chat with the person next to you want to read through the passage again that's fine we'll just have a few minutes and then sim will reappear okay